Coming up on Podcast 1719, we'll take a look at the brand new Hyundai Kona and the electric version of that. Stick around, I'll tell you more. Also on the show today, Shell buying another EV charging network. Xpeng get into a price war in China with Tesla and Volkswagen's ID Buzz Camper. Those stories and a lot more coming up on the show today. So good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Wherever you're listening in the world, welcome to EV News Daily, your trusted source of EV information for what happened on Thursday, 19th of January. My name is Martin Lee, and I go through every EV story, so you don't have to. We'll start with the headline story. All new Kona arriving from Hyundai today, giving out details of the next generation of their... Well, some people call it kind of a crossover SUV, but having lived with one for two months now, I think we've had the the Kona. Uh, we absolutely love it, by the way. We adore. It's a 21-plate, big battery, and we love that vehicle so much. But I, I think I mentioned this recently on a podcast. You know, when we were parking it next to similar-sized vehicles, things like ID3s or Cupra Borns, it's actually interesting how small the Kona is. So let me call it a subcompact, if you will. Global launch for the model is going to be in March. We know it's going to come with a brand new electric version with a brand new exterior design as well. On the front and the back, what they call seamless horizontal lamps. Call it a light bar, if you will. And the EV variant has uh, pixelated versions of that as well. Think Ionic 5. The wheelbase is 60 millimeters longer. That's going to make a real difference because there's now 77 millimeters more legroom in the back and 11 millimeters more headroom in the second row seats. And that's any criticism of the Kona. We tried one out. We had one from Onto for a couple of months, a couple of years ago, when our uh, little boy was in his baby seat. And you know the thing about as kids get bigger, the baby seat gets smaller. And when they're babies, the, the seat is huge and weighs a ton. And the Kona was just too small for us. And now it's getting bigger and the seats are getting smaller um it actually works out fine for us but more room in the second row is absolutely welcome they point out the second row shoulder room is 1400 millimeters 1.4 meters so i've never thought about shoulder room in the back as a measurement i've looked at wheelbase length and car length and width and Okay, they're giving the shoulder room metric. It's a new one on me. I, I, I know why they're doing it. I'm being slightly cheeky. They're pointing out the fact that, yeah, we know it was a tight squeeze in the current Kona, and the next one is going to have more living space. Um, also, they've got the slim seats from the Ionic 5. Now, I've not driven the Ionic 6 yet. It's still pretty new. But the Ionic 5 has pretty slim line seats, actually, quite rigid and quite slim, uh, 85 millimeters thick. And... They're using those in the new Kona as well. So if you look at the dual screen display again, 12.3 inch dual display. So if you've if you've seen the new top of the range, if you like, the Arnic 5s, the Arnic 6s, that is filtering down into the Kona. Now, a lot will depend on price as well, because understandably, you'd ask, what's the point of the Kona? If you've got their brand new vehicles on the new platform, why you've still got a car that is also going to be out as combustion, also going to be out as a hybrid as well. But if, look, if the pricing is right, and again, I speak as an owner, so I'm moderately qualified to talk about this. It's a very, very efficient car, even though it's not designed to be a pure EV. We've had some really winter temperatures at the minute, and I've been doing a lot of motorway journeys um, uh, to go back and see some family. And, um, you know, I've been getting like four, 4.2 miles per kilowatt hour. Now, uh, I drive pretty slowly, so that's not, that's not stick it at, you know, 70-something on the cruise control, a little bit slower, 
very cold temperatures, but it's been it's really been rocking on the efficiency. I can't wait to own one of these over the summer. It's now got over-the-air updates, which I think is huge for a car in this class. When I say a car in this class, so we paid 34 for it, um, and that's the ultimate spec. So I think that's the best Kona you can get. It was uh, you know, 4,000 miles on a 21 plate, uh, ultimate spec, and, and that was 34. So we began looking at the small battery premium spec, which I think is about 25, 26 grand. And you know what it's like, you end up anyway. Um, so for, let's say a 30 grand car. I know it's not, but if they can bring this new one out and there's specs on the market for 30 grand, right? Um, an over-the-air update is really unique in that class of vehicle. And I think Hyundai really do need to be applauded for that it's got a powered boot as well a power tailgate opening again you can select the opening height and the speed of it from the infotainment screen all that can be controlled from within the car really advantageous at this price point you can lock it unlock it and even start it now with a digital key now you can always lock and unlock on the app anyway but if you can start the vehicle with a digital key that is amazing so you could have the digital key on your smartphone or even your smartwatch and it uses nfc actually to start the vehicle which is a high level of security as well i think that's very very cool battery size probably 64.8 kilowatt hours official range maybe 285 i'm getting about 250 at the minute uh, the car was my dad's uh, if you wonder where it came from um and so when i was back seeing him last summer um it was really like 320 because he was doing town journeys and it was the, you know the middle of the summer so i'm getting about 250 miles out of it at the minute um and i'm occasionally seeing those peak charge speeds of 77.5 77.6 kilowatt charge speed doesn't happen very often um and it happens when the battery is warm and that's maybe the achilles heel of these vehicles and, and I, I, i've been road tripping the car's on ten thousand miles now I've, as i say i've been traveling a lot um to see family and um i've you know doubled the mileage of that car in the last couple of weeks unfortunately and um uh, and so i've been charging way more than i normally would and even then an average charge speed of 55 kilowatts peak rate of 77 like that, that's okay I, I wouldn't say no to one of the new platform ones like the arnic 5 kiri v6 etc but it, it's fine so again it's about price point now they've moved the uh, little gear selector buttons the four buttons up to the steering columns there's more front storage space now in the center console and a foldable second row seats give you 723 liters of boot space ultimately so a big piece this today on the podcast about hyundai kona yeah, I'm biased, but a brand new one. And honestly, it's bigger, more practical, and looks great. Now, let's talk about Shell, an oil and gas company, deep joy, buying a new EV charging operator. They're called Volta for $169 million. The, uh, the Volta CEO said that while EV infrastructure is the potential's enormous, the ability for Volta to capture as an independent company to challenge the market ongoing capital investment is always going to be limited both volta and shell have the ability now to meet the needs of those customers and the acquisition will bring experience together they say uh, to provide those options i've been using the shell station on the a34 newbury bypass it's called tot hill services it's great there's a uh, there's always been a big shell petrol station there mackie d's starbucks and a hotel like a travel lodge and Shell have always had some 
their recharge charges there. But more recently, they have refitted it with new tritium. There's nine tritium chargers. Uh, they're the V-fill ones that are 150 kilowatts. And they've got a... They split them into a bank of uh, five and a bank of four. And either side, they've got a big... Actually, a really big rain canopy and lots of lighting and you know, rubbish bins and all that. And it's, it's clean, it's tidy. It's all new because it does look new and it always feels nice and shiny. Should they be 350 kilowatt chargers? I don't know. I mean, that's a subjective decision because sometimes, you know, even if you're on a 350, by the time the, the, by the, time the car slows down, it's one or two minutes slower. If that means that, you know, they're using a 150. So if they can put a bunch of 150s in, I was there the other, I was there the other day and uh, uh, nobody was using them. I was the only one there. And there's nine of them. This is great. And I would love to see the, 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 the place full. Okay. So I don't particularly want to be a cheerleader for oil and gas companies, but well done Shell with the recharge brand, I guess. That was a really impressive installation. And I've used it a, a fair bit in the past. Uh, opposite that is the McDonald's, and they have two Instavolts, and both Instavolts were full. I love using Instavolt, by the way. That, that would have been my preference. Um, but there was a, I think it was a Leaf uh, and an e-tron charging, so I nipped across the road and, and found the new, improved recharge station. station. So I think uh, and the hardware was brilliant, by the way, and it connected really quickly, and the connectors uh, clunk, clunk really quickly, and I thought, oh, this is good. This is good. The Tritium stuff is good. The Aussie company are making good, good hardware. Shell has more than 3,000 charging stations across the US and Europe, and it's DC fast charging stations um, at a time. I know this is talking about uh, Volta. For a time, Volta's charging stations were actually free to use. They had advertising boards and sponsorships, but uh, that moved over to a paid model last year. The Volta Level 2 chargers will remain free to use. All right, coming up, uh, actually, you know, get one more story in before the break. We'll talk Xpeng and in China, slashing the prices of their models to lure more motorists amidst the battle with Tesla in the premium EV market as Tesla lowers prices. Um, Xpeng lowered their prices by as much as 13%. The P5 and the P7, that's the sport utility vehicles. Um, and actually, the P5 and the P7 are the sedans, aren't they? I think. And it's the, what would it be? The G3 is the SUV. Like, I can't get that car here, so I get confused with the Xbox. Um, down by 13%. And other car companies have been reducing their prices as well. VW, interestingly, saying they've got no intention to at the moment. Very interesting. The price tag has become more important. The Chinese consumers are reluctant to spend money on big ticket items as the economy slows. Uh, now, the CEO of a uh, marketing company in uh, Shanghai, who monitors the automotive industry, uh, said that a cutthroat market is forcing players to offer price cuts to attract customers because more Chinese drivers are shunning expensive EVs and turning to value for money products from companies like BYD. Pop a link to that in the show notes from South China Morning Post. Right, coming up on the podcast, we'll talk about Neo launching one of their vehicles in Europe and Circle K have a new partner for their EV chargers. Stick around, those stories and more are on the way. Now, let's talk Volkswagen ID Buzz. Surely at some point the car company will do an official version of the ID Buzz camper, but for now it's a specialised company called Alpin Camper. Looks like they took the base model as well. They've been showing it off at a big tourism show in Germany, and it looks great. Look big enough for a custom rear compartment. It's got a pop-up roof tent as well to give you all that headroom, which you can stand up inside it. That's really, really cool. There's a seating area. There's a kitchenette, so a little induction hob and a sink. And 
actually, if you look at it, I think they've either, I think they've used the cargo version of because if you look at it, it's up front, it's a three seater, as in the drivers and the two passengers. Well, it would be, wouldn't it? It would be the cargo version. Well, that's interesting. I think the wheels are the basic wheels too. So when they get around to doing an official version, I think Volkswagen will probably end up using the long wheelbase version, which is not out yet, but it will be, I believe, this summer in Europe. And it's the one that will launch in America. Let's talk Neo. They're going to launch an estate version or more specifically a shooting brake version of their saloon sedan, the ET5. They're doing it this summer in Europe. The shooting brake ET5 has been made for European customers, they say. ET5 is the cheapest in the Neo range, starting about $48,000 equivalent, I think. And the shooting brake is a really niche market in China, but will be more popular because they've designed it for the European market. Uh, The the success, they're probably looking at something like the Zika 001 here in Europe and looking at how well other brands have done and thinking, okay, well, we can have a piece of that. The CEO of NEO said in the conference call after their third quarter earnings back in November, they'd launch five NEO models in the first half of this year in Europe. So that's a total of eight, I'm guessing, eight NEOs by June. Brilliant. They are really investing. In fact, we should get somebody from NEO Europe on the podcast soon to do a Saturday special interview. Now, Circle K, who, if you watch Björn Newland's YouTube videos, you've heard that name. But maybe there's a Circle K near you and you've used those service stations. They've chosen their partner for EV growth. They say Drives, D-R-I-I-V-Z, obviously. Drives is, best I can explain it, as the platform that manages the charges. So you'll buy the the hardware in from somebody who makes the electronics and you're a petrol filling station and so that's the bit that sits in between the hardware arriving and drivers being able to pay on their credit card, etc, etc. Now, Circle K are actually a global company, and they've got 600 public EV charging stations in Europe and North America on the Drives platform, uh, or moving over to the Drives platform. Uh, That's the software that makes the whole thing run. It monitors it, it manages it, uh, it optimizes the energy consumption, etc., across multiple charges at a site. Uh, They do the payments, so cross-border payments are really important if you're driving around Europe in multiple currencies even, and different tariffs, and international roaming, etc., etc. So that's what the drives company do to make charges work. Uh, they say that innovative technologies like a self-healing algorithm addresses the charger issues which can crop up. That's really interesting. A self-healing algorithm addresses 80% of the issues um, by being a sophisticated management system that can detect what's wrong. And uh, you know, anything, I don't, I don't know if that's just press release hot air, but still, anything that keeps chargers working is a good thing. So whatever, if it's software, if it's AI, if it's an algorithm, if if the if the charger is broken, not because something inside it's gone bang and needs an engineering visit, which should be within 24 hours, if you ask me, either way. Um, if it can stop it just crashing or having a software burp, that's all, that's all good for me. Now, let's go to Sweden, where the boat maker Candela partnered with Polestar to make an EV boat. 
It's going to be the longest in the longest range in the world. Now, Candela will have a 57 nautical mile range at 65 miles at a cruising speed of 22 knots, 25 miles an hour. The performance of their vehicle, the C8, puts it on par with any powerboat using an internal combustion engine. It uses hydrofoil, so it lifts itself up out of the water once you get up to speed. And it uses the tech from Polestar, so 69 kilowatt hour battery, DC charging technology, and the... I think the motors and, and all those kind of things, everything sourced from Polestar. Uh, lightweight carbon fibre hull and hydrofoils. The boat uses 80% less energy than a conventional boat with its heavy battery and all the things that it would normally have when it gets up on the hydrofoil. It has 100 horsepower when taking off, and then when, once it gets to like hovering speed, I guess you, you would call it, um, it drops down to 30 horsepower or 23 kilowatts to then start conserving energy. It sips the energy from the battery. And uh, I'd love to have a go. I've seen some YouTube videos of these. They look so cool. And there's more and more DC fast chargers cropping up in coastlines and nautical areas and boatyards and marinas and things. And so these are going to become more and more popular. I say that they're $395,000 it's a plaything for somebody at the minute but they will get cheaper a new battery passport is going to allow fleets to compare the impact of ev batteries this has been coming for a long time there's things like this out of there already uh, but when a car company wants to know where the battery has come from it hasn't been easily accessible until now because even though car companies are really really good at sourcing a bazillion parts just in time arriving at the factory and bolting them on they haven't always had full visibility of where every component for those parts they're buying from third parties has come from but with batteries there is an increasing focus to make sure that no, no child labor on cobalt all that kind of stuff that the battery passport this alliance now provides a passport for the whole life assessment of ev batteries so you can you can soon identify what's you know, in inverted commas, a good battery and what's a bad battery or worst in class when it comes to its environmental footprint. Audi and Tesla were first with this to provide a proof of concept for the battery passport to know exactly where everything was sourced, the greenhouse gases that were emitted during the production, the manufacture, the mining, the processing, no child labor, human rights, all of that covered off. The battery passport is a not for profit organization 130 manufacturers involved mining organizations environmental groups academics uh, to ensure that this is robust and i think will become a really big big deal in the future actually where you want to know hey where's my battery and my tesla coming from well they now know okay there's a new rv but it's basically oh, it's like a house on wheels uh, with an ev garage you can live off grid and you can do it rather nicely as well you can drive your rv with all the creature comforts this thing's huge to the middle of nowhere and then when you want to get around you can open up the door and out of it will come your very own electric vehicle this has been built to house a volvo xc40 inside of it it has a big solar array on top of the rv a massive lithium-ion battery system from volta so you can live off grid you can generate your own electricity it supplies a huge amount of fresh water and 108 kilowatt hours of stored energy for the um uh, in terms of the battery storage with a 10 kilowatt 
solar array that slides out as well. Uh, almost 2,000 litres of freshwater storage. This thing is huge! Yeah, it even has a Volvo XC40 on uh, inside it. And if you really want the biggest and best RV in the world, well, you can now get one and go electric camping. And that's your podcast for today. A bit of fun to end with. Thanks so much for listening. I really want to thank our premium partners of the friends of this podcast that keep me going. Everyone on Patreon, thank you so much. Phil Roberts of Electric Future at EF.Energy, Brad Crosby, Porsche of the Village in Cincinnati, Audi of Cincinnati East, Volvo Cars of Cincinnati East, National Car Charging on the US mainland and Aloha Charge in Hawaii, Derek Riley and his EV Review Ireland YouTube channel, Richard at rsev.co.uk for buying and selling EVs in the UK. Octopus Electric Universe, I use them all the time at the minute, it's brilliant. Tap my card and I'll, or use the app even better. Global Public Charging with one app and one map. Milbrookcottages.co.uk. If you haven't booked yet for your holiday this year, if you do, please mention EV News Daily when you book down to stay in Devon at their luxury cottages. And Lease Plan Electric Moments, providing all the tools and guidance that EV drivers need. Have a good and see you tomorrow. And remember, there is no such thing as self-charging hybrid. <laughs> <laughs>